This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Radio program. I am Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck. Merry Christmas to you and yours. I am the first of several Christmas presents that Glenn Beck has lined up for you guys as he enjoys the holiday season, the Christmas season. I'm your first Christmas gift, the first package you open under the tree. I am Jason Whitlock, the host of Fearless on Blaze TV, Fearless with Jason Whitlock. You can find me at youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Fantastic show. Fantastic show planned for you today. We're going to go deep on Elon Musk and what's going on at Twitter. You don't want to miss this show. Fourteen hours ago, Elon Musk, the head of Tesla, the man who spent $44 billion buying Twitter, 14 hours ago, he tweeted out, should I step down as head of Twitter, I will abide by the results of this poll. The results are now final. 17 million uh, votes have been cast. 57.5% of the people voted yes. 42.5% of the people voted no. Elon Musk, according to this poll, according to his Twitter feed, is planning to step down as the head of Twitter. Doesn't mean he's selling Twitter. It means he's going to step down and perhaps name a CEO if we take him at his word. That's been trending all night over social media. And, And 
You may wonder, because I think they say 10% of the American population is on Twitter, but Twitter's impact on American culture is enormous. I know you guys already know that to some degree. You listen uh, to Glenn Beck. Glenn keeps you guys informed. I think you understand the role of Twitter in American society and culture, but I'm going to expound on that and expound on the importance of what's going on here at Twitter with Elon Musk and and why I feel sad today that Elon Musk, after it's been a couple of months, maybe uh, a month, I, I, it feels like it's been a couple of weeks since he took over Twitter and started reinstalling sanity to an app and a social media app that has had an enormous negative impact on American culture. I can't speak for what's going on in other countries and around the world. Maybe Twitter has been great for them, but Twitter has been awful for American culture. And it felt like Elon Musk getting involved and putting his personal hand and stamp on Twitter was actually a blessing and something that uh, was taking the country or at least social media in a different, healthier direction. But Elon Musk, after just a few weeks, after just a couple of months, feels like he's personally waving a bit of a white flag, just for him personally. Now, who knows who he'll install as the head of Twitter? Maybe it'll be someone better than Elon Musk. Maybe. But the fact that he's announced this and doing it over a poll sounds like he's kind of throwing up his hands and saying, look, my life, my family, my, my security of my family has been so jeopardized by my involvement with Twitter. I need a heat shield. I need to bring someone in here as the CEO who can withstand some of this heat so I can run Tesla. I can continue to build rockets and plan my trip to Mars or wherever he's planning to go. Uh, it feels like he's bitten off more than he can chew. And I think he knew he was biting off a lot. I think he knew this would be very difficult. I don't think he planned to stay in this role forever. But I thought he'd make it a little bit longer than a month or two. And But I'm not surprised. And, and I'm going to walk you through today why... Uh, Elon actually, despite being a ray of hope and despite doing some things, re reinstalling or unbanning a lot of conservative accounts that uh, ha had been banned for virtually no reason, despite him leveling the playing field on social media and on Twitter to some degree, he's actually not the right person to lead this fight. And so I, I, I agree with his decision I just don't know if it should have come this soon, and I just don't know if it should have been decided by a poll. I think he knew that if he put this to a poll, he knows how many uh, bots there are out there. He knows how many how many people George Soros and others have paid to tweet and be involved with pressuring people and, and smearing people over social media. I think Elon Musk knew that he would be voted out by this poll and you know, 57 to 42 percent, 
people saying they want Elon Musk out as the CEO of Twitter. No surprise. If you understand how far left Twitter and social media are, this poll doesn't surprise you. This is this poll is an indication of how social media and the people that are attracted to social media, how they feel about America, how they feel about the left versus right dynamic, about the conservative versus liberal dynamic. Elon Musk, because he just wanted fairness and because of of, of his leveling of the playing field became public enemy number one of the deep state. There, there's no doubt about that. And his frustrations over the last week about his location uh, being doxxed and made public over Twitter and over so people were actually tracking his airplane and th there was a confrontation between someone in a car that thought they were following Elon Musk and it turns out I think maybe Elon's kids were in it. Does not surprise me that Elon Musk like I got to hit the ejection button. I I'm I'm way too high profile and there's so much animus directed towards me. I got to get someone else in here to run this. I, I saw the uh, uh, yesterday or some at some point this weekend, maybe it was on Friday. Elon Musk's mother was on Twitter and got upset about a joke that Elon cracked, or not that Larry Elder cracked. Larry Elder, the California radio host, conservative, prominent black dude, he he cracked some joke about if Hitler and someone at mile maybe and and Elon Musk were walking down the street what would a, if a leftist would pull out a gun and they'd shoot or they yeah they'd shoot at Elon Musk before they'd shoot at Hitler it was a joke talking about how deranged the left is Elon Musk's mother <laughs> saw the tweet and thought it was serious and complained over social media over Twitter and Elon had to jump in and say hey no 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 mom that that it's all good. That, that that's just a joke because Elon had already commented, laughing with along with Larry Elder, and I think he said they'd fire bullets and they'd both miss, or, or or whatever. But Elon's life is in total chaos because of his involvement with Twitter. He's not the right person to run Twitter. I'm going to talk about who is and what the profile of someone who should be running Twitter should be. And and I hope that Elon Musk hears this. I, I hope that Elon Musk is thinking this way because Elon Musk's heart is in the right place. If you've been following his tweets, he understands the importance of free speech. He, 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 he understands it's important to democracy and our way of life here in America, despite being an African. Elon Musk seems more American than anybody on the left. He seems more American than most Americans. He, he, un, he clearly understands the free speech fight and its importance, and he understands that the government, the FBI, the Department of Justice, the Biden administration, all these political administrations have had far too much control over Twitter, far too much influence over who gets to speak and what gets said. 
Those of us that are conservative, those of us who were suspicious of the vaccine have known this forever, that there were people and, and Elon has restored these people back to Twitter. There were people, doctors, informed people that were objecting to the vaccine and casting skepticism about Operation Warp Speed and the safety of these protocols and medical trials and the Biden administration, the Department of Justice, the FBI, shut these people down, begged Twitter to deplatform them, and Twitter did. That's not free speech. That's not America. Elon Musk gets it. I thank him for his service. I want to give him a little advice today on who he should name CEO. We'll do that and more. I'm Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Happy Monday to you and yours. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Fantastic show for you today. We're going to talk about Elon Musk. We're talking about Elon Musk and his plan perhaps to step down as CEO of Twitter. I want, I've got the perfect advice for Elon Musk. And it, it comes with the understanding, if you've been following the Twitter files, as he's released all these documents to Matt Taibbi, to Barry Weiss, uh, to other independent journalists, if you've been following that, you know that the American government, the FBI, the Department of Justice knows that Twitter is the strongest propaganda tool in the history of the United States of America and prop the history of the planet. I don't want to limit to the United States of, of America, the history of the planet. There's never been a stronger propaganda tool than Twitter. And, and, and I'm going to tell you where Twitter has been most effective in propagandizing and moving public sentiment here in America. Twitter is the paradise. It's heaven for the LGBTQ movement. And in conjunction with the LGBTQ, the BLM movement. I like to call them the alphabet mafia. Twitter is heaven for the alphabet mafia. The alphabet mafia is the secular world that the left envisions, the godless world that the left envisions. And I'll give you one of their strongest propaganda tactics, movements, what, what they have wrought. In 2006, before Twitter launched, 40% of Americans supported same-sex marriage. And that 40% had been pretty stable uh, for five, six, seven, ten 10 years before that. It stood at 40%. And then over the Twitter launches in 2006 and over the next five years, same, support for same-sex marriage skyrocketed 41%, 42%, 43%. In five years, 50%. By 2011, it was a 50-50 split. 50% of Americans were for same-sex marriage. 50% of Americans were not. Now, in 2022, I believe 71%, this is according to Pew Research, are in support of same-sex marriage. And that's because Twitter made 
any objection, any biblical objection to same-sex marriage made it a crime in America. You could not keep your job. You could not be in a leadership position anywhere in corporate America if you stood on biblical principles as it related to same-sex marriage because you would be described and smeared over social media as homophobic. And so that ability to make all of the media view same-sex marriage as and any objection to it as a bridge too far as you would be disciplined at work you could be you would certainly be profiled as someone unfit for leadership within your corporation if you stood on any biblical values as it related to same-sex marriage they installed that in the media all the everybody in the media adopted that position and voila the american public followed suit once you have it over twitter once companies and ceos are addicted to the feedback that comes over twitter and they look at an employee being smeared as homophobic all the well there's our new standard anybody that stands on religious principles and is for one man one woman a ch and children god's natural order if you stood for that twitter had defined you as homophobic unfit the same as a racist and that's again that's the connection between the lgbtq and black lives matter it's the race connection it's the hey same sex it's no different than being born black and so the same protections the same smears must be applied and that's why the founders of blm three lesbian black marxists these aren't heterosexual women. It's all the alphabet mafia. It's all the same umbrella. It's all a movement about the LGBTQ. And Twitter is the police force for the alphabet mafia. They completely, Twitter completely changed how America feels about same-sex marriage. You can watch it in real time if you just follow. Twitter launches in 2006, five years later, half of America's in support of same-sex marriage, and 16 years later, 70% of America is in support of same-sex marriage. That is why there's so much hostility directed towards Elon Musk. Twitter is a life and death issue for the alphabet mafia. Twitter is their playground. They have owned that space since its inception, and they're worried that Elon Musk restoring the platforms of evangelicals and conservatives and people that stood on biblical principles and the elimination of their bot farms and penalties for leftists. They don't want an equal playing field. They want what they've had since the inception of Twitter. That is their platform. They get to decide what America thinks is good and bad and right and wrong. They get to smear whoever they isn't on board with their agenda. 
This is a life and death issue for the Alphabet Mafia, and they've made it a life and death issue for Elon Musk. That man has provided himself extra security. He knows his life is in jeopardy. He knows who he's seen all the documents. He, he the Twitter file, he understands all the things that are being released and will eventually be released. You'll understand why Elon Musk has every reason to fear for his life. I'm Jason Whitlock, filling in for Glenn Beck. When we come back, I'm going to tell you the profile of the person who will have the balls to stand up to the, the Alphabet Glenn Mafia. Beck program. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck radio program. I am Jason Whitlock. I host the show on Blaze TV. You can find the show on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. All kinds of terrific content, provocative conversations. YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Please become a subscriber. I want to add a bit more context to this conversation around Elon Musk before I tell you, give you the profile of the person and a name of the person who should be leading uh, Twitter. And as I walked you through the alphabet mafia and the LGBTQ, and if you look at who Elon Musk has attacked, the Yoel Roth, who was the head of Twitter safety and basically the head of censorship at Twitter. What's Yoel Roth's profile? Gay. The, the mainstream media has reported uh, extensively about Roel Yoth and his husband or partner were forced to leave their home because of Elon Musk's criticism and fear for their life. Roel Yoth, uh, yeah, Roel Roth, Elon accuses him of not doing and not prioritizing child sex abuse and all that content that was allowed <clears throat> over Twitter for years. Child sex abuse content allowed over Twitter for years. They're prioritizing making sure that Dr. Peter McCullough or, or Alex Berenson can't raise questions about the vaccine. Meanwhile, child sex abuse material and content pervasive throughout Twitter, no action taken. When I tell you that the LGBTQ silent P, and we all know what the P stands for, pedophilia, the LGBTQ silent P movement has been in control of Twitter since its inception. And I've been telling you for seven, eight years, that thing has to be moved out of Northern California and out of San Francisco. I've been walking people through this for a solid seven years. 
Northern California has a unique sexual history. Go back to the mid-1800s and the California gold rush and men leaving their families to go mine gold looking for riches in Northern California in the 1850s. That's why the San Francisco 49ers are called the 49ers because of the gold rush of 1849. Men descended upon Northern California. At one point, 93% of the population in San Francisco, North the Bay Area, men, 93% in the 1850s. These aren't my facts. These are the facts of the LGBTQ movement, their newspapers. They write about it. You wonder why San Francisco has a unique sexual history. Go back to its beginnings. Northern California was nothing until the gold rush. Gold rush happens. Men hunting gold leave their families from all over America in search of gold. And your next thing you know, there's no women around. And that particular area of the country has a unique sexual history. Twitter and all of these apps, Google, Facebook, everything out of Silicon Valley is about imposing the sexual values of Northern California on the rest of America. Twitter has to leave Northern California. Now let's get to the other part of the alphabet. We've addressed the LGBTQ silent P part of it. The BLM part of it. Northern California, the Bay Area, has a unique revolutionary Marxist political history. It's where the Black Panthers were founded. Go look at the history of the Black Panthers and Huey Newton and Bobby Seale. Two-way players, switch hitters, bisexual, sodomizing each other as part of the discipline. Marxist and revolutionary. These aren't your typical liberals. It's a Northern California liberal. Now, other than the LGBTQ, Twitter's most powerful thing has been the BLM movement, Black Lives Matter, and the promotion of that lie that the police are out randomly, indiscriminately, viciously, strategically killing black men. That lie could only exist over Twitter and social media. Alex Berenson can't question the vaccine, and that's misinformation. And if anybody questions the election results, that's misinformation and a conspiracy theory. But you can argue that the police, based on 10 to 15 controversial shootings a year, have a systemic plot to genocide black men. That's not a conspiracy theory. 
George Floyd and Eric Garner prove that the police are just out randomly killing black men. That lie can only exist and be promoted over Twitter. You got Crips and Bloods dropping bodies, gangster disciples, vice lords dropping bodies all over America. But we're worried about 10 questionable police shootings. George Floyd, if the man had cooperated with police, would be alive today and smoking fentanyl. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. But that lie gets hammered over social media that George Floyd was just a few months away from straightening his life out, getting his college degree, and becoming one of the greatest Americans in the world, if not for Derek Chauvin's knee. Where else can you sell these lies? But over Twitter, where the bot farms and the algorithms promote it, and anybody that questions, well, hold on, man. George Floyd done ingested enough fentanyl to kill 20 horses. George Floyd's fussing and fighting with the police for 20 minutes. Derek Chauvin weighs 160 pounds. Anybody that brings up these facts, that George Floyd was a career criminal, Twitter comes for their neck and tries to assassinate them. And if you say those things, if you... People were getting fired for saying all lives matter. So if you have a biblical worldview that all lives matter, they ran you off Twitter. They ran you out of your job. Twitter is hell on earth. It's the most secular place on the planet. Elon Musk offered a ray of hope that he could fix that. But Elon Musk is not the right man for this job. Elon Musk, again, I believe he's got a kid that he and his girl or the baby mama are raising genderless. Elon Musk doesn't believe in God based off everything that we've been told. I like some of the things Elon Musk is doing and has done, but in order to save social media, in order to save America, I'll say the same thing about Elon Musk that I've said about Donald Trump and everybody else where America is at right now. Whoever the leader is, they better have a good understanding who God is, what he represents, what that Bible represents. They better believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. No matter how flawed the founders were, and they were flawed, just as flawed as you, me, and everybody else, they had an understanding of God. They believed in God. We need their planning and in the middle of executing their great reset. Those of us that are believers, we better execute our great reset. And the great reset means demanding that our leaders know who God is.
Elon, I like what Elon Musk is doing and has done. Perhaps God is using him to a point. But in order to carry out this battle, you got to be standing with God. He's not. When we come back, I'm going to tell you exactly who should be leading Twitter. And his name just might be Jason Whitlock. The Glenn Beck Program. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Happy Monday to you and yours. Merry Christmas to you and yours. An early Christmas wish and an early Christmas gift from Glenn Beck, me, filling in. There will be other uh, fill-ins and Christmas gifts, but I'm your first. I'll be here tomorrow as well. I just ended the last segment making a bold statement and, and... I'm going to back that up and not run away from it. I truly feel like I should run Twitter. I honestly believe that. I, I've, I've said it for seven, eight years that Twitter has a Northern California problem. I identified the issue and started talking about it seven or eight years ago when everybody was asleep and I was trying to tell them like, hey, this isn't a liberal movement that the entire media industry has gone from trying to please New York liberals to trying to please Northern California liberals. And there's a major difference. New York liberals are somewhat rational. You can deal with them. You can negotiate with them. Or you used to be able to. Until now, the entire media industry and politicians and everybody on TV, every influencer is trying to please Northern California liberals. And that's an entirely different animal. That animal is revolutionary. That animal doesn't believe in any sexual standards or any sexual morality at all. Anything goes, including pedophilia. They call it minor attracted people. And so what type of person can stand against this evil, godless, movement Elon Musk can't can't Elon Musk can't do it he's got too much family he's got other businesses it it he doesn't have the time nor is he standing on the kind of biblical truth that gives you the conviction to stand and face death and persecution that takes a christian That takes someone who authentically believes in God. That takes someone without baggage. I've anybody that's listened to my show knows I've beaten myself up 
for decisions I made earlier in my life related to work, where I sacrificed building a family to build a career. It's a mistake and I regret it. But it puts me in a unique position to be totally fearless. I don't care what happens to me standing on this truth. I authentically don't. My kids will be fine because I don't have kids. My wife will be fine because I don't have a wife. I'm willing to stand up against these people and stand on biblical truth because I'm free to and because I know there's something better than this life. More on Elon Musk when we return. Back on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Happy Monday. Merry Christmas. I just told you in the last hour, I'm the perfect person to be Twitter's new CEO. Elon Musk, uh, according to his Twitter feed, is going to step down as CEO. I'm telling you, it's going to take a Christian. It's going to take a journalist. It's going to take someone fearless. It's going to take someone who can write and defend the decisions made at Twitter in writing. It's going to take someone who can host a podcast and a show and defend and explain Twitter's decisions. I should be the CEO of Twitter. I'll continue with that explanation in a few seconds. you guys i'm the host of fearless with jason whitlock on blaze tv and on youtube at youtube.com slash jason whitlock one of my contributors and my partner on the show he's the director of fearless tj mo tj played football at the university of missouri uh tj is one of the smartest people i know uh he's very grounded in the bible he helped eric schmidt get elected to the senate in Missouri, uh, TJ is a, they call it a renaissance man, or, 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 or <laughs> TJ is one of the brightest young minds I know. We, I want to welcome him to the Glenn Beck radio program to help me 
talk about Elon Musk. T, uh, TJ and I talked about this last night uh, when TJ texted me, look what Elon uh, tweeted out about moving on or putting up the poll about potentially moving on as CEO of Twitter. W when you read that last night, TJ, what were your initial thoughts? I was disappointed because um, I, when he put that poll up, he already knew the outcome. So to me, what he's saying is, you guys get your wish, go ahead. <clears throat> I'll, I'll step down. And, and the reason I'm frustrated is because um, we're setting a precedent, and we have. This, this precedent has, has long been established, but um, there are a few people that buck this trend. And the precedent is that if the left pushes hard enough and threatens you enough and extorts you enough, they will always get their way. And so I don't think you can ever or you should ever throw your hands up on their terms. You can throw your hands up on your terms, whatever that might be. Um, and you knew when you signed up for this job, you decided, you know, that you were going to, they called it a hostile takeover of Twitter. You knew what was coming. And, you know, this isn't his first rodeo. He, he's gone through things at Tesla. He's gone through things at SpaceX. He, he's someone who um, to, throughout his life has been a contrarian and goes by his principles. And so to me, this, this is a throw your hands up moment and the left is celebrating because they have another victim. And as someone who despises that sort of discourse, I, I can't stand it. So what do you think of my contention that Elon's lack of faith is part of the reason why he's folding and, and I applaud him for the effort. I, I, I really do. He's trying to make significant change and who knows, we'll, we'll see who he comes up with as the new CEO uh, to replace him. But, but I, I guess, I, although I was excited about what he was doing, his lack of religious faith always made me suspicious of whether or not he could take the level of heat that comes with taking over the greatest propaganda tool in the history of the planet. When you said that earlier in the show, the first person I thought of was Matt Walsh, because I, I do think it's his faith that has kept him in this fight as he gets death threats, his family gets death threats, and he continues to go after this gender ideology nonsense. I think without his faith, he would have folded already. So I do agree with that. Um, what we discuss on Fearless all the time, the answers to all of life's problems are in that Bible. And if you don't know the Bible, then you, you're, you're going to try to make them up on your own. And, you know, um, man does not have a lot of wisdom. It, the, the men who have wisdom took it from the Bible. That's, that's where all wisdom lies within the Bible. And this is why our founders are so brilliant. You know, it's the, there, there was a single verse, I believe it was, it was John Adams that, that quoted it when talking about the separation of powers in our government came directly from Jeremiah 17.9. Says the heart is, is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So the idea there is we can't give all of the power to just one man because he will be corrupted. Everyone's corrupted at some point, particularly if you're not actively pursuing the Bible. So we will separate powers and we will have a system of checks and balances so that 
hopefully everyone is not corrupted all at the same time and that you can look after each other and not have these issues. So actually, I don't think there should be a next CEO per se to have all of the power because right now it is one <laughs> The, the whim of one man gets to decide. And I get it, it's his company, $44 billion he spent. But, but I would actually like to see a system where there are checks and balances in a, in a clearly identifiable um, terms of service or constitution, we'll say, like the founders did. And, and that's how we've been able to have this type of success. It's, it, you, you know, Twitter is not like any other company. This is, this is why the government has considered it at some point and, and may still do it. Um, a utility because it's it's absolutely necessary in many ways for our um, public discourse, and so I, I would I would actually not like to see just one person in charge of everything. I think that has led to a lot of disasters. I, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't want a czar, uh, and 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 I would like some shared leadership, but. Somebody has to be the CEO. And, and I think one of the things that Elon recognizes is that for free speech and democracy to uh, live on and to have a chance, it must be protected foremost and first in America. And so let's, every country, in my view, needs their own CEO of Twitter and and perhaps then that's your counsel on how decisions are made recognizing that America comes first because we have more freedom we value free speech more than anyone else I, I, I wouldn't want to really have much say so over how Twitter operates in India or some of these other countries and I, I can't China I don't even think allows Twitter uh, but but I, I mostly want to, I want to have say so over how Twitter operates here in America. And if we get it right here in America, there's a better chance of us getting it right every place else. Well, so it, it's actually it's a different story everywhere else, because since other people don't have the free speech laws that we do, Twitter can't operate the same way. It already operates differently in every other country than it does in the United States. Um, I, I believe it's Germany that has laws. Um, whenever I send a questionable tweet and somebody reports me, then I, I think Twitter sends me something that says, according to German law, we are required to notify you when someone um, reports you for abusive language and such. And so what, that's already happening to, to some degree. We don't have a CEO to say it operates different in every country, but every country has different free speech laws or lack of free speech laws, we'll say, where I know Germany certainly does not have the same kind of free speech laws that, that, that we do. I've, I've heard, I think Stephen Crowder talking a lot about this, how you know, the hate speech over there is not free speech, right? In, in America, there, there's no such thing as hate speech hate speech. We just label it, you know, things that we don't like, we call it that, but that, that is protected speech. And the, the whole point of protected speech is so that, you know, hate speech can exist because it's, it's likely just speech that you disagree with. And so uh, my contention has been that Elon from the start has said that free speech is what he wants. And he went on to define that. This is why I was so excited from the beginning, because I, I don't believe in 
personal discernment. And again, the, the heart of man is wicked. So what we do have, though, is, is a set of principles and values that the American Constitution has established and shown to be successful. And so he tweeted out, this is back on April 26th, he said, by free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I'm against censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. That's the way I think it should be run. And then you don't need someone so important in the driver's seat. What you need is someone who says, would this, is this in a court of law, would this be inciting violence? If the answer is yes, you take it down and perhaps you suspend them and have some sort of consequence. If the answer is no, you leave it up. I think it's that simple. And so a court of law, obviously it's not always so cut and dry. That's why we go to court. We generally have an idea of what a direct incitement of violence is versus something you just don't like. And so I think if you, if you went at it that way, it wouldn't be so important as to who's running Twitter and who's not. I'm going to politely disagree with TJ when we come back. So TJ, <clears throat> Elon Musk said a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that he wanted Twitter to be the most trusted news source in the world. And I remember tweeting at him like, man, that's a high bar. Uh, just make this place fun again. <laughs> that's enough. And, and, but, but now, here I am a month later, understanding his objective and, and perhaps why he wants to do that, I'm arguing that Twitter does need an editor. That Twitter is so important to public discourse and that Twitter is America's information source, that's where people go get the news first, that it needs an editor. And, and, and I would add, you know, if you incite violence, any speech that incites violence, I think we both agree should be out of bounds and off limits and should provoke an immediate suspension. But, but I also think that Twitter should do things to promote and to to promote and penalize people who do ad hominem attacks. Having worked in the newspaper industry for as long as I did, if I delved into, lurched into name calling and just ad hominem attacks, editors, hey, don't do that. That's, that's beneath you, that's beneath us as a newspaper. We don't do that. And, and if I'm running Twitter, I don't want this place to be filled with people going, you're a piece of doo-doo, you're a coon, you're an N-word, you're a uh, racist, blah, 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 you're a I, I would be doing things like if you uh, specialized in ad hominem attacks, you would eventually be suspended and eventually, if you do it enough times, maybe it's 12 times or we suspend you 12 times, eventually year ban, maybe even a permanent ban. But anything we can do to promote actual healthy discourse and penalize people that are just there to call names, 
I, I, I think Twitter should be in the business of that, and I know it makes the job more difficult, but, but I, I think if you want a healthy exchange of ideas and free speech, there, there's some of the personal attacks that should be cleaned up on Twitter. I can see that. <clears throat> the, the question is, um, I, I think Elon's tried to address some of that, actually. If, if you look at his most recent, he sent this out just a couple of days ago, where he was talking about the people who've actually signed up for Twitter Blue are going to have the most valued opinion around here. And so what we're going to do is start giving down votes to people who are muted a lot and blocked a lot by other people. And so their stuff will go to the bottom and you just won't see much of it. So my contention would be that those people don't necessarily need to be suspended. Um, they don't even need to have their voice censored. It's just that people aren't going to see it at the same rate. And, and we should also make the tools easier. You should be able to, well, in fact, you've done some of this on your own. You, you, we talked about this on, on Trios once upon a time, that we should have easier to use tool, uh, easier to use tools that allow you to create your own experience that you want on Twitter. So, so we should introduce to people and show them how to use, like, if you don't want to see these certain words, then you will never see them. You go in and tell people that if you don't want to, uh, there's a list of 30 words, you put them in there. Anybody who says those words to you or at you, you will never actually see them. So this way, you're not Here's actually my violating. Issue. Here's my issue. Other people shouldn't be able to see them either because it has an impact. It, let, let's say getting called a bigot bothers TJ Moe, and he puts that, anybody that tweets at me, bigot. But if your boss sees hundreds of tweets calling you a bigot for no good reason, it's just a personal attack or or calling you, if, if some gay person is being called the F word and it's just a personal attack, not only should you not have to see it, neither should your potential employer. That that's a hard sell for me because I think there's there's an issue with what what we're doing is saying that let's get a, let's get rid of all of the information opinions that we don't like and we deem to be unreasonable and we're left as the arbiters of truth and it's I think that's very dangerous because isn't it my boss's responsibility to have a set and say no, he's a coward your boss is a coward and we don't give him help <laughs> he's going to be he's going to remain a coward I, you know having had a lot of bosses they're mostly cowards i'm with you on that and so it isn't it then the job for us to fix our cowardice and not say that you know what you're going to be a coward forever the only fix is to, to hide all the information that would uh that would show everybody your cowardice and and uh, make you make bad decisions. We're going to hide all of that from you. I think that's pretty dangerous because at some point you're going to run into to a situation where we're all going to have to face that cowardice. And the only way to do that is to work through it and gain courage. Look, people used to be able to say, because again, I believe in free speech to the ultimate. I just believe there should be consequences to personal attacks 
and the incitement of violence. You get to take LeBron James, who tweeted out, you're next at the Columbus, Ohio police officer. And TJ, we only got like 30, 40 seconds, so you got to be quick here. But, But you're next at the Columbus, Ohio police officer. I believe LeBron should have been instantly suspended for one week. Leave the tweet up. It could still be there right now, but he should have been suspended. And people need to think before they tweet. And there's not enough incentive for people to think before they tweet. I think that's absolutely correct. I think I would take the tweet down because crazy people read those things when you're inciting violence. But I am with you on that. Well, we disagree on how to get there, but there needs to be some method that we can get people to think before they tweet because there is no real consequence at this point unless of course you're a conservative thank you tj great job i'm gonna have some more on elon musk royce white's gonna join us in the second hour stay tuned the glenn back program All right, welcome back. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Uh, I have some competition for Twitter CEO. Snoop Dogg has thrown his hat into the ring. He's put out his own Twitter poll. It's got nearly 2 million votes, and I think like 80% of them are saying uh, Snoop Dogg should be the next CEO of Twitter. Doesn't surprise me, and again, I know Snoop is joking, and I know most of the people responding to the poll are joking, but Snoop would be the perfect CEO of hell on earth. He would keep things the same. He would be a slave to the alphabet mafia, the LGBTQ, silent P, BLM movement that's in control of Twitter, because most of these people... All these influencers, most of these celebrities, or virtually all of them, are slaves to the alphabet mafia. And, you know, they're slaves to the secular movement. They're slaves to a godless society. And that's what Twitter is. Twitter is like the playground for the godless society. It is outdoor resource uh, for the godless society or indoor recess for the godless society. I've been explaining to you all this morning that the answer to the great reset that's been done to us and to America is for us to have a great reset. Those of us that are believers. Someone tweeted at me today that's listening to the show is like, hey, the answer to one extreme isn't to go to the other extreme. And they're basically suggesting that I'm an extremist and that there's some place where we can all meet in the middle and happiness be restored. And there needs to be a, hey, I can see both sides. And isn't that what's fair? And and that person does not understand how America got here, how America became the land of opportunity, the envy of the world, the place with the most freedom 
and most fairness and most opportunity for anyone that enters this country. And that's why people of all stripes and colors beat down doors and illegally and legally try to get into this country. And it's not because the founding fathers, hey, I can see both sides. Hey, let's build documents that completely ignore the Bible. That's not what they said. The founders went the other direction. They were extremists like me. And I say that in a good way. And, and again, I'm aware that the founders were flawed. If you, I can't remember the last time I was on this show, <clears throat> if I explained it then, but, but it, it's like, I love the people that in 2022 think foolishly that the current group of human citizens, particularly here in America, are the smartest group of American citizens of all time. It's just not true. The people that think we're the most moral people of all time and that we're fairer than everybody else, than all of our founding fathers. And how dare we look on at the founders as, as, as even founders or even people worthy of respect. They own slaves. And they lived at a time when slavery was commonplace. Look how flawed they are. I'm not in any way justifying slavery, but I do want you to know that someone a hundred years from now, 200 years from now, or certainly when Jesus Christ returns is going to look at this American society and say, you killed babies. You normalized the killing of babies. You normalized sticking a tube up into a woman's vagina and snatching a baby out to its death. And you think you're better than Thomas Jefferson and George Washington? Someone's going to say, Jesus won't say it, but someone's going to say, get the F out of here. You think you're better than those people. You baby murdering and normalizing the murder of baby people think you're better than George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. No, you're not. We're not the smartest people. We're not the most moral people. In fact, we may be worse than the founders. I certainly would argue that we're worse. I certainly believe the murders of babies in the womb. I believe it. And I'm black. I believe it's worse than slavery. That's not me caping up for the founding fathers. That's me standing on truth. What could be more innocent than a baby in the womb? So miss me with all of that. And again, when you, I use Twitter and these social media apps because it's part of the job. It's part of the responsibility. You need it for communication. But I make no secrets about these things, particularly Twitter. 
They're evil. They're tools for propaganda. They're tools to remove you from any biblical morality. They're tools used to make you give in to your lusts and feelings. And it's Instagram, Twitter, all of it. They're tools of the devil. And unless someone in direct communication, conversation, belief in God takes control of these tools, they're always going to be used for evil. That's not me being some religious zealot. That's just me speaking facts into existence. The reason this country is so great is because the founding fathers didn't have some big disagreement about whether our rights came from a higher power, from our creator, from God. They put that in writing and into law. They put the seeds in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution and our Bill of Rights to remove slavery. And it worked and it happened. And that's why this country has turned into the freest, most prosperous land of opportunity in the existence of humanity. And in order for us to get back there, we're going to have to quit compromising and thinking, meeting a group of godless people halfway to uh, halfway to stupidity is the solution. Hey, let's find a compromise. Let's meet them halfway to stupidity. No, it's not time to back up. There is a God. There are some truths espousing that Bible that we must stand on. That's what founded this country and made it great. And that's what will return it to greatness and remove this chaos because their path that they have us on right now. And again, without Twitter, this wouldn't be happening. But right now we have a debate going on in this country about whether there are more than two genders. What pronouns are we using? This is all driven by Twitter. This is all hostile to biblical truth spelled out in the book of Genesis, things that we had all agreed upon. What was it that made us all come together? What was the, the thread that that bound us what did frederick douglas and all the other people the abolitionists that stood against slavery and increased freedom for all americans what truth did they stand on to make that happen they stood on the bible and so these godless people now that act like oh they're better than thomas jefferson they're better than george washington they're better than ben franklin these godless people would have done nothing if they were around in the 16, 17, 1800s. They would not have fought against slavery because they stand on no truth. It's easy now to pretend like you would, but they wouldn't. And you know why I know they wouldn't? Because they enjoy and they fight for the killing of babies in the womb. They have no morality. They have no convictions. 
unless a man with real convictions takes over Twitter, Twitter, the enemies of the American people, the people, the people in power will always destroy that man and make him fold. I'm not criticizing Elon Musk, but if he were standing on biblical truth, he wouldn't fold. He wouldn't back down. He wouldn't acquiesce to the demands of these evil, satanic people. Don't go anywhere. I got more. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. Miss a day, miss a lot. Visit blazetv.com today and never miss a moment of truth. All right, welcome back. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Some of what I'm saying, I'm sure, will sound crazy. And it's like, is Whitlock off on a lark? Is he being serious? I'm being dead serious. I'd like to be the CEO of Twitter. And I honestly feel that someone like me has to be the CEO of Twitter. Someone who, and, and again, I know Christians further along in their journey than me. I'm not sure, and we will have to see if push comes to shove, but I'm not sure if people are willing to suffer as much as I'm willing to suffer in pursuit of God's mission. And I don't say that to pretend to be some sort of super duper Christian. Anybody that's listened to my show, anybody that's seen me talk in public, whether on my show, Tucker Carlson show, in writing, I, I, I lived a life out in the world full of sin. I, I, I did that. And I've repented and asked for forgiveness and all that. I'm no sort of perfect Christian. But, but I do understand that suffering is part of being a good Christian. It's a sign that you're actually following Jesus. So those of you, and this is where what like Kanye's having to figure out. When they shower billions of dollars on you, that, that's probably not a sign that you're following God. That's probably a sign that you're following the secular. That's probably a sign that you're following all of their rules. And so I, 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 I go to Timothy, 2 Timothy. Chapter 4, verse 5, but you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Suffering is part of this, and this is when I keep talking about the, the persecution that Elon Musk is enduring. I have sympathy for him. I get why the fire is too hot. I'm not in any way trying to denigrate Elon Musk and what he's doing. 
But what I am saying is my mindset to that suffering, to that persecution will be different because I will see it and interpret it as a sign. Oh, I must be doing the right thing. God must be very pleased with me. These Satanists hate me and want to kill me. They want to jail me. That will be my sign, because again, if you're not being persecuted, if you're not being ridiculed, if the secular don't hate you, it probably means you're not following God. And I don't say that to put myself on a pedestal. I'm saying that to say I court being persecuted. I truly do. I don't want to be liked by this world. This world is too evil. It's too, and, and it mostly for me, it comes down to what they're doing to kids. The sexualization of kids. The fact that Twitter had child abuse, sexualization pervasive and did nothing about it. The fact that Twitter has promoted this culture where drag queens are all over schools sexualizing kids. And we've done nothing about it. It's an issue worth dying for. It's an issue worth being persecuted for. I feel sorry for the people that don't want to join in this fight. All right, stick around. Royce White's going to join me on the other side of this break. This is the Glenn Back Program. must know and believe. Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's gonna take a man of God to leave Twitter I hope Elon Musk recognizes that. Stay tuned. Royce White is going to join us next. Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck radio program. Royce White is going to join us. Royce White was a first round pick in the NBA about a decade ago. Played at Iowa State. Great basketball player. Got into a dispute uh, with the NFL over some mental health issues. Now plays in the big three. He's an MMA fighter. 
He's one of the most outspoken voices in the political space. He ran against Elon Omar in uh, Minneapolis uh, for a seat in the House, I believe. Uh, he is a contributor to Fearless, my show, Fearless with Jason Whitlock. He's been mentored and is friends with Steve Bannon, goes on the war room all the time. Royce is one of the brightest, most provocative speakers I think we have on the conservative side of things. I, I hate, I'm a little bit reluctant to even call Royce a conservative. Royce is just, <laughs> he's America first all the way. Royce, welcome to the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Wanted your thoughts on Elon Musk particularly potentially stepping aside as CEO of Twitter, you were always a little skeptical about his leadership of Twitter. Uh, what do you think today? Well, thanks for having me on the show, Jason. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I think that there is much more to a guy like Elon Musk than meets the surface. Um, I think that's a given the um, amount of things that he's involved in. As I've stressed on the show with you uh, on Fearless, um, given given what I know about the way our government operates, given what I know about the way that our intelligence community operates, I'm even more skeptical of a guy who is so whose business is so connected to two nuclear superpowers. So, um, and and, it, and he has a personal life as well. So all of those things are, are at work with Elon, and uh, I, I can't say exactly why he would be stepping down. Um, although I would be somewhat uh, concerned that somebody may have some leverage on them or there may be some way that the, the Twitter um, bylaws are structured uh, that, that's forcing him to do so. Do you think, do you have confidence in the person he'll pick to replace him or, 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 or do you think we're just going to revert back to the old status quo as it relates to Twitter? I think the mold has been broken on Twitter, uh, and, and I think Elon has done a great job of breaking the mold and uncovering a lot of the things that Twitter was doing behind the scenes uh, with, with banning people, shadow banning people, uh, you know, the, the way that they influenced the election in 2020. So I don't, I don't think that Twitter could ever go back in the other direction unless the ownership actually changed. Uh, so, so, you know, and, and, you know, time will tell though, you know, my, my, I have a vote of confidence that Twitter will continue to uh, come out of this, this sort of censorship type of mold. Um, but, but I'm still watching. Uh, I'm watching with, uh, with great and with great uh, attention. All right. You know, when you talk about the mold being broken, Obviously, I think that takes us to a conversation or takes my thoughts to Donald Trump and what he started in 2015 and 16. And 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 maybe there's more progress being made than a cynic or someone uh, like me is giving credit for, because I do think that Donald Trump inspired a, a Ron DeSantis in Florida. I think Donald Trump inspired uh, Elon Musk to involve himself in Twitter. And then last week, I, I saw, I don't know if you saw this, Royce, but Tucker Carlson did a 10 to 15 minute monologue mm -hmm. on the CIA's role in the assassination <laughs> of JFK. And, and 
Yeah, and to see this on the most powerful cable news show on TV, and it's like, wow, Tucker Carlson is talking about the CIA and the plot and and the not the plot the assassination of John F Kennedy and and it's like wow maybe the lid is coming off and the scales are coming off people's eyes and the blinds are starting to see and conversations that have needed to take place are finally happening did you catch this with Tucker and and, and think it was as significant as I did Absolutely. I mean, I was I was just floored. Um, and I like Tucker, and I think he does a great job on a lot of things. But I think Fox News overall, as a as a institution, uh, toes the line on on a number of issues. And and the security state uh, or the military industrial complex is is one of those issues for sure. Um, it, I, I think also to, to circle back on what you were saying is you know Donald Trump's Donald Trump's impact on this country at moment is unquantifiable um and, and that has that 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 is not uh an affirmation of any and everything that he said and done or continues to do because many of us have a rightful uh, gripe with with much of the way that he goes about some of these things even from a political strategy standpoint but um courage is contagious and we also got to go back before uh, Trump and, and acknowledge the Tea Party and, and some of the other conservative yeah. movements that, that, that came before him and laid the groundwork for him. But he was a high point. And, and things that he decided to, to run on were uh, reoriented the entire political landscape for the conservative movement. Um, and, and with that said, uh, the the real stone to still be unturned here is the the level and depth of corruption within our administrative state and the intelligence community, and I think we have to go right back to JFK where where we let this thing get, you know, way out of hand. I mean that, that we should have never allowed that to happen, right? I mean you know the the boomers, in my opinion, are frozen in front of their TVs uh, on the day JFK was assassinated because, you know, for the intelligence communities to have a hand or, or the, the many forces to have a hand and, and, you know, killing our president in, in such a, you know, blatant manner, um, it, it's, it reverberates throughout time. And it's continued to this day. People still in DC and, and, you know, all throughout the country that our elected officials or, or whatever fear speaking truth to, to power, because of an incident like that. So let's go even a step further because this is connected to uh, Elon Musk and the the FBI, Department of Justice, the the government, and 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 so I, it actually starts with Dwight Eisenhower on his way out the door, telling us, "Hey." Be fearful, be leery of this military-industrial complex and it overtaking America. And then the president that follows him is assassinated, and it seems quite clear that the CIA played a role in that. And now the release of the Twitter files with Elon Musk showing you, beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that our government has overtaken Twitter and used it as a propaganda tool for the vaccines, for uh, shenanigans and mischief and the fortifying of elections. And it's, it's really 
only a blind man can't see that something happened with JFK and the military and the the FBI and these other agencies. They're actually the shadow government of the United States. One one hundred percent. I mean, you know, you could you could argue that the assassination of JFK marked the advent of the modern day Uniparty. And and so, you know, for that for that amount of time, uh, the Uniparty has been in control and the Uniparty is is, a uh, you know, a, a hand a hand or a tool for the, the shadow government. And, and that, you know, that's just my opinion. And, and I think that we as common day American citizens live our lives. We try and take care of our families and reach our goals, work our job, deal with our health issues or whatever the case may be, whatever it is that we have to deal with on a daily basis. We don't understand the, the breadth of this intelligence community and and their ambitions and their arrogance and what it is they think they can impact and how efficient they are at doing so and how efficient they've shown themselves to be on a number of occasions. I think another huge inflection point um, of of this sort of dynamic was 9-11 and the, the amount of freedoms that we handed over with the Patriot Act to fight radical Islam uh, is is absolutely un-American in every sense. Um, and, and so you got JFK there. We let that slide. And then we had some some things going with the Bushes and uh, I mean, you know, with Bush Sr. And, and, and other people along the way. And then 9-11 was the real was the real tipping point. And, and we said, hey, we're so afraid of radical Islam, whatever the CIA or NSA need to do to protect us, then let it be. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know why anybody would be shocked that, that, you know, the CIA or FBI is mingling in, in Twitter. What we need to be concerned about is what else they're in, because it's certainly not Twitter alone. Royce, give me a minute. Stick with me. I want to follow up next. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck, joined on the phone by Royce White. Royce, we've spelled out the problem, the intelligence community, the military involved shadow government. What's the solution? How how do we fix this? I'm arguing that we're going to have to be uncompromising in our demand that whoever we support in a leadership position needs to have some kind of biblical, religious, Christian foundation. What's the solution? Um. Well, you know, I'm a Christian, so obviously the, the, the Christian orientation is, is priority number one. Uh, I think from a practical standpoint and a political standpoint, we have to shrink the government down. The, the government is is a, a monstrosity, you know, that, that it was never supposed to be. And I think it starts with our taxes. And to circle back to Donald Trump and, and the path that was laid for him by the Tea Party, we have to go back and address that. I mean, I think, you know, given what our federal government has done and the, the, the national debt that's been run up and the reckless spending that's continued to happen, uh, there should have been a tax revolt in this country uh, a, a, a little a little while back. Um, actually, if, if you want to get technical, I think if you look at where taxes began at 2 percent, the taxes are the actual way that the government justifies the perpetual expansion. I mean, we started at 2%. We're now at 50. And there were people, when it started at 2%, there were people who said, this is, this is unconstitutional. This is wrong. Uh, and, and I only bring that up to, to further that the intelligence communities and the administrative state has been allowed to 
to swell and grow to this unmanageable place because of the taxes and the tax system. And, and so we have to, as citizens, decide um, that, that the prosperity of the convenience that comes from having such a big government uh, is not worth the rights that they infringe upon in the way that they currently are built. So we have to shrink the government down. I mean, we just have to take, a, take an ax to the government. We have to uh, give this budget and, and the spending a dramatic haircut. Uh, we have to get control of the Fed. All of those things need to happen, and I think a president that, that has a biblical worldview could do that. Um, but I also think the Christian community in our country uh, has to has to step up as well. And I told you on the show the other day, um, I see a lot of people who have sold out across the country, but none more than our Christian community. And I don't say that to be you know flippant or, or overly critical, but it really does seem to me that the 501c3 tax exempt status that has uh, been been taken uh, by many Christian institutions um, undermines the the biblical message, and and it is a form of selling out. And when when Jesus said, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, so you can give to God what is God, I think that that parable uh, applies to the tax exempt status when we look at it, you know, ex post facto. So, you know, that should stop happening as well. You know, churches need to stop taking 501c3 uh, tax exempt statuses so they can speak truth to power and, and tell their, their uh, congregations uh, where they stand on these political issues. I, I, I wonder, and this is the cynic, the skeptic in me, and I work on that all the time, not to be as cynical, but have we gone so far that there's a great majority of people that won't allow us to reverse course. Have we lost so many people to a secular worldview that, that, that they, cause I'm not even demanding that the secular adopt my worldview. I'm just asking them to accept the fact that when uh, a Judeo-Christian culture was more pervasive. Things were better, more fair, less chaotic. The country actually worked for everyone, even non-believers. I just want them to accept that. But I'm just wondering, have we put so many people on the government tit that we now can't reverse course and get people off of it? Uh, well, let us hope not. Let us pray not. Um, it, it would seem that way, but I, I, I continue to have faith in the power of the Word of God, and I think that people who genuinely pick up the gospel and and uh, you know go out and, and spread a ministry of truth wherever it need be um, can have that impact and influence on people. I, I think we've just abnegated that responsibility as as Christians in large part across the country. Um, you know, we've we've sort of stayed to ourselves. And, and in staying to ourselves, we, we, we stayed in, in a little box that we were placed in by a government who we sort of, you know, sold out to. So uh, I think it can be done. I think there needs to be a real Christian, uh, or let's even extend it to God, a, a God-fearing renaissance in this country right now, like yesterday. Uh, and there are a lot of people who will, will not want us to, re, you know, change course and go back the other way. Um, but, but a a part of that is a lot of them don't even know any better. I mean, it doesn't take too many generations for people not to even understand what, why 
a secular worldview as a problem. And, and if you want to look at it from that standpoint, the, you know, the, the, the secularism in our society has been growing for longer than most people can even account for, uh, you know, all the way back to the, you know, the post-Enlightenment, uh, you know, the sort of scientific method. I always say the four heresies of the West were the scientific method, democracy, computer technology, and in and, and the future it'll be artificial intelligence. But all of it was a way to try and bridge a gap uh, between man and God where man becomes God. Uh, or, or man can deal with the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the unknown, right? That anxiety, that, that despair that comes with the unknown of not being God. It, it'll never work. And this is why you see many of these people who are secular, you know, you're, you've all know Harari and all these other, you know, sort of Judeo-Buddhist kind of hybrid, new, new uh, original morality folks. Um, they, it always falls short, and it, it reduces down to them trying to eliminate all the suffering in the world. And that Royce, is- we got to go. Thank you so much. Great job. That's Royce White. Check him out on Fearless with Jason Whitlock. The Glenn Beck Program. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Happy Monday. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Glenn Beck offering you your first Christmas present of the season. Jason Whitlock filling in. There will be other Christmas presents over these next two weeks as Glenn takes a well-deserved break. I'm glad to have today and tomorrow with you. Today we've been talking about Elon Musk and potentially him stepping aside as the CEO of Twitter He's not talking about selling. He's just talking about stepping aside as as the CEO. Uh, I am offering up myself as a candidate to replace Glenn Beck as the CEO, not Glenn Beck, uh, Elon Musk as the CEO of Twitter. And and I want to, before we get out of here, we're in the final 30 minutes of the show. I, w- I want to go over again why someone like me and why Twitter needs an editor. And it, 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 it's had engineers, it's had code builders, it's had these geeks and nerds from Silicon Valley, but it, 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 it's, but it hasn't had a journalist. And, and there are a lot of pretend journalists now. They haven't been working for Twitter, but there are a lot of pretend journalists at the New York Times and all all over TV. But but these are not people who are actual true journalists, people that have a willingness to speak truth to power. Take someone like and this will sound like a contradiction. But when I start talking about a journalist, I'm talking about Glenn Greenwald. And yes, I know that. Glenn Greenwald is married to a man. And and yes, I'm, you know, not on board with that. But Glenn Greenwald is a journalist committed to truth. He follows the truth wherever it leads. He's not beholden to any political party, any political ideology. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Glenn Greenwald as a journalist. He inspires me. I say that without any regret, shame or whatever. That guy 
inspires me as a journalist. That's the kind of leadership Twitter needs. Matt Taibbi, another tremendous journalist, not beholden to any political party or any political ideology and agenda. People uh, mistakenly, or no, 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 I, I don't even want to deal with that. I'm a journalist, and I know I've been in the sports and in the kitty lane, but I always delved into the other stuff. And that's why Rush Limbaugh was always talking about me, and that's why I used to be a guest on CNN and MSNBC all before they kicked people like me off the air. You can't have legitimate biblical views and be on air with them. But, but I've always been in both worlds, a cultural critic, a journalist that covers culture and sports, and I don't want to be liked. And it's not that I, I, I don't want to be hated, but in this world, as crazy as it is and as satanic as it is, I actually enjoy being disliked. It's a sign that I'm on the right side of God. See, many people, many pretend journalists want to be on the right side of history. I don't want to be on the right side of history because history is written by whoever is in power at that time. History is written by man. God's truth is written in the Bible. I want to be on the right side of that. And therefore, I don't care about politicians. I don't care about being having Republicans or Democrats like me. I don't care about being popular. I have no problem telling powerful people, miss me with that BS. I don't care about being persecuted. And actually, and as I said earlier, I would enjoy it. It would be a sign that I'm actually walking with God if I am persecuted, if I am jailed, if I am killed. I would see it as a sign. Yep, I'm doing the right thing. Thank you. I'll see you on the other side, maybe if you make it. Twitter needs an editor, a journalist at the top, setting directions, explaining its decisions. Twitter needs someone to say, when someone like LeBron James tweets out, you're next at a law enforcement official, that saved a woman's life by shooting and killing a 16-year-old woman that was trying to stab and kill another woman. When LeBron James tweets out, you're next, Twitter needs an editor to say, hey, man, that's way across the line. We're suspending you for two weeks. Go sit down and shut up somewhere. I'm not denying LeBron James his free speech. Tweet can stay up, but... He will have to stand down for two weeks. And if he does it again, his next suspension will be three weeks. Because that's what happens in journalism. You get busted playing loose and fast with the truth or, or, or with quotes or with facts. There's discipline handed out or there used to be back when the media was healthy. We need that. And so when people have a tendency, when your account is dedicated to ad hominem attacks and all you do is sit out, um, all you do is send out memes calling someone an Uncle Tom or a coon or something like that, 
Twitter needs someone to say, hey, look, man, this is an account that's not actually contributing to public discourse. It's just trolling people with name calling. We're going to sit this person down for a week and let him think about it. Because Twitter needs for people to pause and think for a minute before tweeting. That would improve Twitter. Twitter needs an editor. Like if people want to uh, tweet out, oh, my God, a black man can't walk around here in America without being killed the way uh, Eric Garner was killed or the way uh, St. George Floyd was killed. Twitter needs an editor that will write a note that will be slapped at the bottom of all these tweets that say, hey, look. Data does not support this. There is no genocide against black men being executed by cops. In fact, the data actually suggests, based on the number of engagement, police are more likely to turn violent and draw their guns and shoot a white person than a black man. That's statistically true based on the number of engagement. Again, if you live in a high crime area, you live in a zip code that's high crime. Your likelihood of engaging with the police multiply. If you live out in suburbia, in less densely populated areas, you're less likely to engage with law enforcement. And so therefore, based on the number of times engaging, police brutality, police violence, police murder, is actually going down and is an aberration. It's not some kind of pandemic where, oh, the police are executing a plot to kill black men. Those kind of lies exist over Twitter, unrefuted. People were allowed, like Sean King and DeRay McKesson, were allowed to build massive followings promoting these types of lies. And if there had been a disclaimer put at the bottom of their tweets about how far-fetched and stupid and emotional these tweets are, this whole movement would have never caught steam the way that it did. The Twitter allowed pr the promotion of violence and the summer of 2020 violence. They, all the things they accused Trump of doing on January 6th, the left and Twitter actually did. They allowed for misinformation about the police to be pervasive throughout Twitter and justified violence, chaos, and anarchy across America. Everything they accuse evangelical conservatives or political conservatives of doing is actually what they were doing and are doing. They promoted violence and death and anarchy and tried to overthrow this government and seize power through that violence. They did that with Antifa and Black Lives Matter as their soldiers and Twitter as their minister of information. If you had an editor who was putting disclaimers saying, man, this Sean King dude, he's pretending to be black. Here's his birth certificate. Here's a picture of his white daddy who he looks just like. This would have never happened. So an editor just mixing in facts 
with the lies and misinformation that are popularized and made pervasive over Twitter would improve Twitter dramatically and stopping the ad hominem attacks would improve the public discourse over Twitter greatly. Twitter needs an editor. The perfect editor is Jason Whitlock. I'll have some final thoughts when we come back. The Glenn Back Program. All right, final segment of the show. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck. I'm dead serious about wanting to run Twitter. I need you right now to hop on Twitter and tweet at me, Whitlock, at Whitlock Jason. I want you to copy Elon Musk. You guys know how to spell Elon Musk. It's pretty easy. At Elon Musk. I need... By the way, my name is W-H-I-T-L-O-C-K. At Whitlock Jason, at Elon Musk. Tell Elon Musk he needs me, an editor, to run Twitter. I've got the backbone for it. I'm not afraid of the attacks. I'm willing to stand up to the government. I'm willing to be jailed if that's, <laughs> if that's what it takes. I'm the perfect person. I need you to get on Twitter and tell Elon Musk Jason Whitlock should be the editor and the CEO of Twitter. I've been way ahead of the curve of all the mainstream media about what are the problems at Twitter, why its location in Northern California is part of the problem. I've been trying to explain to you all for several years now about Northern California and what's unique about that culture and how they're trying to impose that culture through the greatest propaganda tool in the history of the planet, Twitter, they're trying to impose that culture on the rest of the world. San Francisco is an S show. Anybody that's been there and seen it, people living on the street, people doing drugs on the street, people having sex on the streets, people masturbating and pissing and taking dumps on the street, people uh, afraid to go out at night, in San Francisco, San Francisco is hell on earth. And they're trying to impose that on the rest of America. San Francisco is where all of these social experiments, all of the the Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco is where all of this revolutionary America is the worst thing in the planet. Black people must rise up and embrace Marxism Everybody must have an anything goes mentality as it relates to sex and drugs and everything else. That's why Paul Pelosi is playing hide the hammer while Nancy Pelosi's off doing work because that's how they roll in San Francisco. Some homeless Black Lives Matter, Matter operative is playing hide the hammer with the Speaker of the House's husband because that's how they roll in San Francisco. They want to impose that on the rest of the country, and Twitter is how they're doing it. I'm not some sort of prude. I'm not some sort of 
religious zealot that wants everybody to adopt my views and my practices. I'm just smart enough to realize that if you want a society that works for everybody, where everybody gets to enjoy freedom of speech, freedom of opportunity, you must have a culture that reflects and respects a biblical worldview. If you throw out God, you're throwing out freedom. You're throwing out opportunity. You're throwing out any chance of real happiness and fulfillment. If you throw out God, what you have are a bunch of people that feel, hey, whatever I feel, if I'm 38 and feel like I'm attracted to 12 year olds, we need to legalize that. If I'm a man and feel like a woman, they better give me some surgery to make it happen. You want to put it in to that type of thinking. That worldview that has created the chaos that we've all been living under the last 10 years. You need someone like me to fix Twitter. I'm Jason Whitlock. I'll be back tomorrow. Merry Christmas and enjoy your Monday. This is the Glenn Beck Program.